I'm here with Nick Lynn of WTW, and we're going to talk about what it's like to be an employee experience architect. So, Nick, how are you doing, sir? Okay. No, thanks for that intro. Difficult, difficult times for many people. Yeah. And you're joining us from London today, yeah? Yeah, in London, just outside London. All right. Well, you've been at this for a while, and employee experience, obviously, and rightly so, has gained a lot of notoriety over the past several years in particular, particularly with digital transformation and all the ability to understand how people are thinking and feeling and in fact behaving uh, throughout their day-to-day work. So if you would introduce yourself and a little bit about what you're doing there at WTW. Yeah, thanks. So yeah, I'm principal at WTW. So I spent over 20 years doing, I guess, research-based consulting. So solving problems like how do we improve engagement? You know, how do we encourage collaboration? How do we modernize uh, performance management? And so I love my job because you, know, you get to see have a real positive impact on people's working lives and uh, you get to see the difference you make. And we have a very big international team at WW focused on all things EX um, and some terrific global clients, very long-term client relationships. So, um, yeah, and my job title is officially EX architect. So let's pause right there for a second. What is an EX architect? Yeah, so so an, uh, an EX architect then I guess uses analytics and, and insights to really understand workforce needs, and then so you can then design strategies and activate plans through great people leadership, communications, technology. And I guess the label could have been EX designer or EX strategist, but I think we um, came up with settled architecture for a couple of reasons, if you like. One is I think architecture is a good metaphor, right? So I mean, architects, you know, they work from the abstract to the real, um, back to um, the abstract again. They use engineering, you know, to arouse feelings and emotions. And it's similar in our work, right? We use people analytics. And insights to design experiences that build a community sense of belonging, um, a joint performance. So it's more strategic than EX design, but it's more practical than EX strategy. It's a combination of both. And I think second reason is if you like that, no, in architecture, there's no one size fits all approach, right? So every building has to reflect an oversight, no materials, um, no your budget, right? So and that's the same in our world. No two companies are the same. You really have to get, you know, under the skin of the organization, understand their value proposition, focus on human perceptions and behaviors. So I guess what we do is a mix of science and art, just like mm. architecture. Well, love it. And, you know, you have some great models and approaches that we're going to get to momentarily. Before we do so, though, I'd like to level set with this question. Who owns the employee experience? Like, who are your clients helping you architect what is going to then happen for workers within a given organization? Yeah, so I, I think everyone probably owns the employee experience, the kind of simple answer. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, I guess you have to think about that when you're, when you're thinking about solutions and, and so on. So, you know, obviously, you know, a lot about employee experience to me is about leadership and leadership perspective. I think it probably begins with leadership, but you know, um, ultimately, um, you know, uh, employees themselves need to be in a position where they can co-create 
uh, and are involved in uh, designing their own experience of work as well. So I think it cuts through all different levels. And increasingly organizations are thinking about, and maybe we can talk about this kind of maturity curve in a little bit, actually about how we, how we do put governance around employee experience and how you make sure there are roles within the organization that are connecting things. Well, let's just jump into that. I, I love this idea that it's owned by everyone, yet you know, leadership has to make an investment in doing the analytics and commissioning a team to do the design and architecture. And so I brought up uh, your tr transformative EX uh, progression here. Do you want to talk us through it? Yeah. I mean, I guess there's a couple of things about EX if you like. One is there's a long-term trends that have driven this kind of interest in employee experience, right? So you know, the nature of work is changing and actually those human elements to work matter more than ever. So I think for a lot of organizations, they're thinking about, you know, our primary challenge is how we can free people up to really excel in their jobs. Um, so they can you know, drive innovation, service, collaboration, and so on. And then there are short-term trends as well that have really impacted employee experience. The, the pandemic has been a great kind of stress test for employee experience in many organizations. And so what you're seeing on this screen is a, is, is a, no, it's a bit of research that we did recently that showed many companies have actually got a lot of progress to make around employee experience. Yep. And so only one in 10, if you like, um, no, are really managing to transform their organizations through employee experience. They have a transformative employee experience. And I guess what, what we mean by that is, you know, they have a no clear DX strategy that's very much linked to what the business is trying to achieve. And they've really invested in transforming work through technology. So, you know, all the, all their work, all their tech is work tech, if you like, there's a great focus on integration around alignment and simplification. So most other, other organizations are somewhere else in this curve, you know, and, and probably about a quarter of organizations that, you know, we came across, um, are at the other end, but kind of starting blocks of their EX journey. So they don't really have a defined EX strategy in place. Uh, they probably have centers of expertise within uh, functions like HR, but they're probably quite siloed and working kind of in their own domains. And then further along, you've got to found further organizations that have some kind of a basic EX approach. So it's not that linked to business strategy. They may be starting to talk about employee experience, maybe some integration. And I think if you think about it from a people analytics perspective, I think it's probably a lot of one-off kind of people analytics projects with them, a kind of basic EX group. And then there's 30% of organizations that we'd probably say are, uh, you know, emerging in terms of their approach around employee experience. So they're, they're investing in different digital solutions, but they're not necessarily joining that up in a kind of consistent competitive experience. So there's still bottlenecks, still frustrations. And I actually think a lot of those organizations right now are, are dealing with things like burnout, where you know, managers in particular are, are, are dealing with a kind of inconsistent kind of ecosystem of, of, of different digital solutions. And maybe to your earlier question, I think those are organizations that are also thinking about actually how do we put governance around this? Do we need to create kind of head of employee experience kind of position and what would that involve? Right. And the reality, correct me if I'm wrong, from your perspective, you actually doing the work day to day is not all organizations are using the language of employee experience, yet 
everyone has an experience at work. So can you speak to the language? Because there's engagement initiatives, there's retention initiatives, there's, of course, DEI and belonging initiatives. Is employee experience the framing, uh, the overarching uh, structure, if you will, uh, that organizes all these different uh, potentially disparate um, initiatives? Yeah, so I think it probably is. So you're cool. uh, there are as many definitions of employee experience around as you can imagine. Uh, there's sort of three definitions that I tend to use. There's a very simple definition of employee experience, which is um, what's it like to work here? You know, from you know, your run-up to joining the organization through your time at the organization to potentially leaving. I think there's a second definition of the employee experience, which is actually thinking about it as a new and emerging kind of science. And so, you know, there are new sources of data, new analytics that are available. And so how can you, um, uh, how can you make sense of that to really understand, uh, you know, this kind of science around, uh, employee experience. And I think we're only at the beginnings of that kind of work, though we're flowing data, new kinds of, uh, uh, technologies and analytics. And so I think, I think the third sort of definition of employee experience, which is a, a bit here, but one that I tend to use most is around sort of analyzing individual journeys together to understand those moments, um, and know those processes that you can tweak to get kind of systemic lift in productivity and engagement. And so what I mean by that, so what, I guess that's a roundabout answer to your question, you know, for me, employee experience is a perspective on the organization. It drives something like engagement, but it gets mm. at those touch points, those moments that matter. And it's different perspective because like engagement has always fit, fitted in a very traditional way of thinking about organizations for a top-down managerial is about organizing resources, um, where I think EX is bottom up, it's messy, it's much more conversational. It's about co-creation and involvement. Well, you just touched on it right there, you know, co-creation involvement and employee experience for some has meant that, okay, we're, it's all about you know, well-being and it's all about, you know, the employee, which is absolutely critical, particularly given what's happened with the pandemic, you know, obviously the stresses that are happening in the world, you know, right now. So that it's very, you know, an important aspect, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but it's really also about innovating and productivity and generating team and organizational performance. And I know you have a, a blueprint you want to share. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can talk about that. But I absolutely agree with that. This is, you know, in an experienced economy, you know, actually enabling, you know, uh, your people to perform at the best is, is completely critical. That, that EXCX, CX link is probably one of the most vital ones in any organization. So this is, a, this is exactly right. So coming back to architecture, this is our EX kind of blueprint. And it's based on a lot of research that we've done looking into uh, some of the best organizations that we come across. And, um, what it's saying is effectively, there are some four core domains of employee experience that really matter. And they're, they're the, the neck labels at the bottom of this, uh, kind of chart. So no, what's really important for employee experience is the, the, the sense of purpose you get from the organization you work for, from your own work. Um, what's also important for employee experience is the work itself, you know, the challenge you get from your work, feeling you can do great work. Uh, what's also important, uh, you know, the, uh, the people you work with, you know, connecting with great teams, with great leaders, 
and of course, um, you know, to the, the rewards. So, you know, your opportunity to grow, uh, and you know, what you get in return for your efforts. So those sort of four core domains of employee experience. But when we've looked at different organizations, we've also understood that uh, there are different areas where, um, companies perform to different degrees. There's almost different levels of performance when it comes to employee experience. So I mean, it's a kind of green road here. There are things that all organizations need to do well. So in architectural terms, these are your foundations, you know, they're, they're the building blocks. Yeah. Then there are things where, you know, the, uh, strong organizations tend to pull away from the pack. And they're in the middle row here. And what's interesting is a lot of these get at, as you, as you were just describing, involvement and co-creation. So I feel included, I have a voice, I can grow, I can collaborate. And, and then there are things that there and sort of an excellence level where the best organizations really stand out. And many of these things get at kind of mindsets. So you no know, feeling inspired, feeling driven, uh, you know, uh, no high degrees of trust growth mindset and so on. And so we think about this as a, a kind of, a, uh, no, we have a, no, we have to use data analytics to kind of diagnostic. We use tools around this to help a leadership team develop their aspirational view around employee experience and many different organizations I work with fit into different kinds of groups. So I've worked with startups, for example, a kind of very inspirational vision, but quite weak foundations. So they're not with bill. No, they're not built to really withstand many shocks. Um, and then, you know, old and traditional companies that have maybe tried and tested ways of doing things, but you know, need to rebuild the kind of aspiration, the vision that needs to be refreshed around future of work. And then, you know, mid-sized companies that maybe have a good place structure in place, but maybe it's quite functional. You no, know, it's quite plain to maybe like a warehouse. Right? And so, you know, what they're looking for is how you involve involve. Uh, their colleagues to um, shape a more diverse and exciting kind of future and aspiration on the future. So this is kind of the blueprint that we can use for helping organizations navigate along that maturity curve. Let me uh, just ask you this real quick, because uh, I know there's some other things that we want to get to. And because I feel that I say this a lot, but I believe it's essential that every organization uh, ask themselves this and challenge themselves to um, understand the language that they're using and defining things properly. So, you know, it's like in consulting, basic current state, future state, and, you know, roadmap, you know, to get there. So here you have a blueprint. And so my question is, you know, how much time do you spend defining what employee experience actually looks like and how it's, you know, um, what it means. So people are actually talking the same language as you go and do initiatives. Is that a large part of your work? Yeah. And so I think that's why it's useful to have a framework, a blueprint like this, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, and it's built on, um, a lot of research that we've done. Uh, and so it helps provide that kind of framework for, uh, for, for an organization. So we, we often look to, um, you know, use it as a way of, of diagnosing, you know, where there are potential, potentially gaps in an organization. So we can bring in different data and analytics to effectively build a kind of scorecard around that kind of blueprint and say to a leadership team, this, uh, this is no, uh, the sort of current state. I mean, I think the critical thing to do then is to build in, uh, you know, that sense of what, what the aspiration is. Yep. So actually what do we need, uh, 
employee experience to look like, and then you can start to look at the gaps. I think one one uh, one uh, useful aspect of a framework like that is it can help you prioritize. Yeah. So mm. um, often what we're looking to uh, know a whole bunch of with is saying, you know, of all your different kind of programs, actually, which are the most critical to close these gaps between current state and your aspiration based on this view of broad employee experience. And with that, you know, when you talk about priorities, you know. Organizations, leaders are challenged right now in retaining their talent. People are leaving for a host of reasons, well-being among them, compensation being another. They can go across the street with a similar employer and make more money. That's how you know wealth generation from a salary standpoint often you know happens, unfortunately, but it's it's part of the reality. So I know you have a relationship between uh, employee experience and talent rewards or total rewards optimization. You want to speak to that? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, um, that's a really important point. So I think one of the, the sort of approach around employee experience, one thing you do is help you go on the front foot. So you're not always reacting to events. And, um, and I think that's part of that maturity curve. Right? And so I think there is probably a fair bit of panic around sort of total rewards at the moment, given. Uh, know a lot of uh, a lot of moves and, and turnover risk and so on. So that, that our, our approach to that is around one approach around that is we call total rewards optimization, which is really if you take that total rewards column within our um, uh, EX uh, matrix, it's moving organizations along, uh, you know, up that column from the kind of the you know, essentials around sort of making sure you've got a fair mix of pay towards being much more strategic about how you think about total rewards. And actually think total rewards is often missing from people analytics. You know, a lot of people analytics is focused around just talent analytics specifically, but actually you know, total rewards are a key part of your employee experience. Yep. So there's three parts to, to uh, uh, total rewards optimization that sort of summarized here. One is really understanding the things that employees value. And so no, practically how we do that is you no, know, for example, we do a, a conjoint analysis where you ask employees about different trade-offs they would make in terms of different aspects of their total rewards. And so we're thinking broadly here about total rewards. So not just pay, uh, but benefits, recognition, uh, opportunity to grow and learn and so on. Then the second element of total rewards is you bring in the cost element. So what do those different, um, no, what do those different elements cost? And then that allows you to do model different scenarios so that you can think about how you can design uh, plan changes. And actually, if you bring up the next slide, I can sort of give you, give you sort of different options around what that looks like. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is a good, good illustration, you know, so, you know, what you, what you're seeing on this slide is, um, you know, the combination then of employee preferences and cost data. So, you know, on, on the chart, the, the x-axis here is showing the cost of total rewards and then the y-axis is showing the perceived value, you know, uh, and, and which you can link to behavioral outcomes like engagement uh, and intention to stay. And, you know, by, um, by combining the different data, you can think about different points on this kind of efficient frontier, this curve that represent different mixes of total rewards. So one option, for example, on the, I'll show them, but a left-hand kind of point here is that, but can you provide the same amount of value and engagement actually for less money? Yep. So by thinking about 
you know, the, the mix of rewards, you know, it's a way that you can potentially save you know, the catch. And in certain industries, for example, you know, airlines right now, actually, that's a, potentially a really useful insight. And there's a, another option, which is, uh, you know, kind of in the middle, which is actually can provide more value by, uh, without spending anything extra, just by simply, you know, changing the mix of total rewards that we offer. And that's a very common opportunity for lots of companies, because you no, know, my experience, lots of companies have benefits, for example, that are designed for sort of prior work generations, not their current or even their future kind of workforce. And the third option is, you know, how can you actually, if you, if you spend money on the right things, increase the value, uh, perceive value and engagement even further. And to your point, you no know, tech companies that are fighting for talent right now, you know, this is a really important option to understand actually what are those deeply held things that really matter. Um, not just monetary rewards, um, that, you know, things like career growth, recognition and so on. But if we, if we remix, you know, we can get uh, improved value and hold on to people for, for longer. And, and so this is you no, know, this is a sort of representation of our online tool where we're, we're testing different scenarios. We're, you know, personalizing it, but looking against different cohorts or talent groups, and you're making decisions around plan design, uh, based on this upward view of people's preferences as well as downward view of cost. Yeah, I, I, I can take this so many different directions. And as a geek, I'm like, <laughs> I can just stare at that for a while and think about how it can be socialized and good decisions can be made, you know, as a result. So it inspires intelligent questions is, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I, we have, you know, time for um, a couple more questions and then, you know, we're going to have to wrap. But one kind of offshoot question that I want to ask right now is that to do employee experience right, there's the idea of personas, that you're looking at a specific group, uh, cohort, or is just not, you're looking at a, a broad population, although there's sometimes that you're, you're doing that. Is that a fair statement? And is that the way you look at it as well? So I think, I think uh, a key thing around employee experience is about making it personal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, I think some of that can bring in personas. So you can think about different talent groups and different cohorts and, and di different kind of persona types. But I think it also gets at how you activate some of these insights as well through technology and communication. So how you can know, um, uh, personalize, uh, communications of people and, um, you know, so, you know, insights coming out of something like TRO web organizations are moving along that maturity curve in terms of its approach to total rewards lead to design changes. Yep. And you, know, you can see some examples on this slide in terms of re changing the mix of incentives, uh, bringing in, um, potentially kind of new benefits, um, uh, adding flexibility, but actually critically in terms of you activate this is how you communicate and drive behavior change through technology. And so, for example, we have an EX platform called Embark that allows you to do exactly that. So to personalize communications so that, you know, as an individual, you're receiving the right information about rewards in the moments that really matter to you. And you're using that same kind of the same kind of device to provide nudges to, to managers and, uh, you know, to, um, you know, to create that, uh, in-person delivery of those moments that really matter as well. So I think a lot of the, how you activate the exchange is through uh, through effective use of communications and technology to personalize things. 
No, so like you're, you're delivering the, the, that information in the moments that really matter to people when they need help, you know, when they're looking for support. Yeah. And I love it. It's just not an initiative. It's not something just talked about. You're actually enabling things to happen. You're improving the employee experience through tools and, and technologies in a systematic, scalable way. So certainly celebrate that. So I know you have uh, one more slide for us. Should we bring that up? Okay. Yeah, I guess you guys guess this final slide is, um, you know, uh, spent over 20 years helping companies around employee experience. And it's something that I write about and talk about a lot and work with clients on. And so, um, I'm always really happy to connect with others. And so there's just some ways you can do that. So I wrote a book full of client stories, um, and a while ago called employee experience leadership and actually have a blog, uh, where, um, no, uh, I put all my articles and also uh, a kind of informal newsletter and also wanted to highlight that there's lots of information on, uh, our website, WTW. We are now WTW, not, not with us, Towers Watson. We have a new website, WWCO and, uh, and we put lots of things on there to share what we're doing. You know, great, you know, case studies and white papers, lots of research we do that we can up upload one of our uh, pieces of EX research following this call. And, uh, and, and events as well. So please connect with us and, and sort of follow us on that EX journey. Yeah. I mean, I've looked at it in preparation for this and I it was a great refresher, uh, based on the work that you're doing specifically as well as WTW in general. So, I mean, it's very exciting. And so I got one more question before we wrap, um, on that slide was future of work. And I have been exploring for years the relationship between people analytics and the insights that's being generated through people analytics and how we're designing for the future of work and not, you know, three, five years down the road. Sometimes that's appropriate, but really six, 12 months horizon. So the initiatives that we have today are going to be nudged, shifted, changed, you know, over that relatively short uh, duration. So I just want to understand from your perspective, particularly as a service provider, you know, are you leading and talking about future of work in relationship to employee experience? And if so, what does that look like? So I think that's the frame of reference around all of this, if you like, which is mm -hmm. know how you prepare for um, the future of work. And there's, there's very practical things around that, right? So the kinds of um, jobs you're going to need, the kinds of skills you're going to need. But there's all sorts of things that flow off that, right? How you reward people. Mm. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and this broader sense that I guess I'm most interested in, which is actually, what does that mean in terms of, uh, articulating what the new deal is? Yep. And mm. so it's clear that the deal is changing and many organizations are not getting ahead of that and articulating actually what it means for you and the experience that you should expect at work. So I think when we're talking about employee experience, we're very much putting it within that if you like that overall frame, which is what's really going to matter in the future of work are human skills and human capabilities. So how as an organization, do you actually go about creating the circumstances where people can excel and those human characters and those human capabilities, service, innovation, collaboration really come to the fore. And I think that, that affects runs across a lot of our thinking. Well, it's at WGW across all the different areas around organizational effectiveness, talent rewards, skills, uh, future work. 
Well, Nick, hey, congratulations on what you've done, what you've accomplished. I love the way you think. Thank you for sharing your models and ideas and research and all that. Uh, how can people learn more about you? I imagine LinkedIn, yeah? Yeah, yep. Connect me on LinkedIn, follow me on Twitter, and uh, and uh, yeah, and connect and ask questions, and and, uh, and I post, try to post as much as I can. All right. Hey, thank you for sharing, sir. You be safe and well back there, and uh, hope to see you in person uh, before too long. Thanks very much. All right. Cheers. Bye.